Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Oh, we're good. Okay. Let's go ahead uh, and read the passage for today. For just a little bit of uh, context, I want to start Uh, by reading from uh, verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 10, and then carrying that into uh, the first 16 verses of Hebrews chapter 11. So starting in Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, Excuse me, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, 
If they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray once again and commit our time to the Lord. Our gracious and loving God and Father, uh, we are so thankful for your son, the Lord Jesus, this morning. As we uh, read from Hebrews 10, the just shall live by faith. Uh, the faith that the, the ability for us to have an eternal life, an everlasting life, is not based on anything we could do. It is all based on the work of your son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, we are thankful that it is as simple as believing what you have said and obeying. Father, as we consider the thoughts from this passage this morning, we do pray by your spirit that you would speak to each one of our hearts. We pray that these words, uh, these words from just a, a servant, um, would be what you want spoken uh, to minister to the hearts of each one. So, Father, we commit our time to you again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So, we are very much moving into some of the much more practical side of Hebrews. Um, And I want to be careful when I say that because obviously the first 10 chapters are immensely, immensely practical to us as well. Uh, I think it's been brought out in several of the messages over the course of this series that uh, if we lose sight of the fact that God is trying to tell us a message today in 2022, uh, and we think this is only for our learning to understand what the implication was to the people that received this letter to begin with, then we're losing out on what, uh, as I think Ben said a few weeks ago, what the high priest, our high priest, is trying to communicate to us. Uh, Warren Wiersbe kind of broke up uh, the book of Hebrews into three sections. Number one, the superiority of his person. Uh, Number two, being the superiority, and I hate trying to say that word, but I'll say it three times and then that'll be it, uh, of his priesthood. And then ultimately now we're moving into the superiority of the principle on which it is. Uh, And here, as we go into this, of course, we're reminded that this faith from the end of chapter 10, this faith is that which ultimately does save us. Uh, And I'm just so aptly reminded as we go through the book of Hebrews and the concern, I mean, even this, the cry of the writer here at the end of chapter 10, um, to not shrink back. In other words, don't go back to that which you were holding on to before those things that you could so so sort of clearly see and you want to hold on to that as being something that that is going to do something for you and he says you need to press on and accept that this is all by faith in the finished work of the one who is superior the one who is greater than everything that was ever done in the history and an economy of god leading up to this point Uh, Jesus Christ surpasses everything. Colossians uh, will tell us that he ought to have the preeminence. He is preeminent. This is exactly what everything was building up to. So now he wants to take them and remind them of this principle of faith and some of the examples even going back 
throughout all of the Old Testament history, and that's where we get to in chapter 11. Uh, the first thing that I just want to kind of highlight, of course, we're in, this chapter is kind of known as the Hall of Faith. Uh, we like to say that just simply to play on the word of the Hall of Fame. There's many halls of fame in this world. Uh, and here, this is the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, if you think about the end of chapter 11, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, it says, uh, the world is not worthy of these saints. Like the world would say that they are not worthy of the world. But God says the world is not worthy of them. Wouldn't it be great if God were to, and not for anybody's personal glory, but wouldn't it be great if God could say the same thing about you and me? That our faith was such that we were living a life that was completely, totally, wholly dependent on him. We don't want to lose sight of that as we go through this passage of scripture. To understand how this principle, all that was being communicated to them of what happened in the days of old, applies to you and I today. So as we go through the chapter, we're going to see three kind of main things. I don't want to say main things. I'm like, I'm going to come back to this, but some things that you really focus on with this idea of faith, even as you glimpse back to these Old Testament examples. Number one, you see this idea of the resurrection. Of course, looking back on this side of the cross, we see the resurrection is fundamental to our faith. But the fact that the resurrection was something that was applicable to them went to show their eternal view in every almost every example that we see in here is the reason the faith is is it's because of the things not seen it's their focus was on that which is eternal not that which is in front of them uh, and then thirdly of course faith is a testimony it's a testimony to everybody that we're around Anybody who would have had the experience to come across any of these individuals during that time, uh, it's a testimony that they could see by their faith the God in heaven. And again, a challenge for us to consider that. We would call ourselves Christians or believers. Uh, we would say that we have faith on the finished work of Christ alone. And yet, so many times we live our lives no different than the world. And when I say that, I'm not talking about necessarily as it relates to all the sinful, lustly sort of things, but in the fact that we still place our dependence on any of a number of things other than God. God alone. So the first section of this is going to be uh, the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Um, the second uh, section of this, so a three-point message, and of course when we talk about a three-point message, really a three-point message usually means like 15 because under each point there's five subpoints. Uh, otherwise you don't say anything. So the first section is the definition of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 3. Then the demonstration of faith, and this is just for this first part of Hebrews 11, the demonstration of faith, and we've broken that down into two sections, and then thirdly, 
the destination of faith. So the definition, the demonstration, and the destination. So starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, we see this great um, example, or uh, so I don't want to say definition because it's not like a literal definition of what faith is. I mean, really, faith is belief, like hearing and believing. Um, when you look at what, the, what is being described here, there's uh, three things that kind of jump out in verses 1 and 2. Number one is it's the substance, the realization, uh, the thing that would say, um, as it says here in the slide, to stand under or to support. And number two, it's the evidence of things not seen, the, the absolute total confidence or conviction that that which you do not see is in fact reality. You with me? Like, I just want you to think about that when it comes to your own practical life of living. I mean, the world will say, what? Seeing is believing. Uh, again, Thomas, who I don't like to call the doubter. Blessed are you, Thomas. He didn't say that. But you have believed because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Faith, the world says believing or seeing is believing. If I see it, I believe it. Faith says believing is then seeing. So this is what faith is, the substance of things hoped for. Uh, that which we would absolutely know for certain is going to happen. Not the kind of hope that we describe in the world. Like the, I hope we get to have camp this summer. I hope I get to go and do this thing. I hope for lots of things that have so, so much of a measure of uncertainty. This is a hope of absolute assurance that that which God has spoken to us will in fact come to reality. The evidence of those things that are not seen. It's like this majestic idea of that even though we haven't seen it for ourselves, it's as if we have seen it for ourselves. A perfect example of that, I think, is in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 3 are great chapters to really kind of, for Paul, trying to describe like the proof of faith, that God's plan from the beginning was faith. And as he says this in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? In other words, they were shrinking back as well. The Galatians had believed everything that Paul had said about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it was by faith alone on the work of Christ alone. But now the Judaizers were coming in and they were saying, no, you need to keep the law and do this. So when Paul is challenging them and he's saying this, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who's taking you away from the things that you had already believed? He says this, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Were the Galatians there when they crucified our Lord? To give implication to the song we sang this morning. Were the Galatians there? Did they actually stand at the foot of the cross and look up at Jesus Christ being crucified before them? No, but by faith. 
it was as if it was done right before them. The thing that is unseen becomes so unbelievably clear as though you were there in that moment. And what we'll see is looking forward, the faith that each one of these saints, Old Testament saints had as we go through this, was faith in who God was, what he said to be true, and therefore completely evidence to them. No question in their mind as to what that is. And then thirdly, again, this idea of the testimony. Again, Warren Wearsby says, true biblical or Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Paul again reminds the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith. Again, walking not only in the fact that we're saved and we enter into this relationship with the living God, but the fact that we live this life by faith. Listen, I know in my heart and in my mind, it is a struggle constantly not to just rely on my own thinking and the secular way of doing things. This is what's very practical and logical in the culture in which we live, so therefore we will do this rather than complete and total dependence on the one who is promised and the one who is faithful. Reminding ourselves that we walk by faith and not by sight. A biblical faith, again, is hearing God for what he has said, believing him and knowing that to be true. You might be familiar with an old bumper sticker. Uh, first of all, not too many people have bumper stickers anymore. I know our brother Bill does sometimes, but uh, not too many bumper stickers anymore, but back in the 80s and 90s, there was one that used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And of course, there'd be some criticism about that, wouldn't there? God said it, that settles it, yes? Like the fact that whether we believe or not doesn't change the fact that God said it, and therefore it is definitively true. And yet we have the wonderful privilege to be able to enter into the fact that it's true and have it be as though something that is completely and totally evidence to us today. As we start going through this, so now I want to move on to the demonstration of faith. And again, as I said, I'm breaking that up into two little sections. The first section uh, being the living now, and the second section is going to be looking ahead. So the living now. Just three examples that are given here. We have Abel, Enoch, and Noah. We have worship, walk, and work. Uh, and these are not anything that you probably haven't heard before in terms of that breakdown, either from me or other people as well. But just this wonderful beauty and the simplicity of describing faith in these four verses. First of all, you have Abel, the first one that's mentioned. Abel, uh, who offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, who obtained a testimony, a witness. Uh, in chapter 4 of Genesis, it's only within the first several verses that you read of both Abel and Cain being born. And then from there, it goes on to say that the time had come when they offered sacrifices. Abel took one of those from the flock, and it was a blood sacrifice. Cain had taken of the fruit of the ground that he had worked to put together, uh, and his sacrifice was not accepted. 
Now, we don't know exactly how Abel knew the difference or why Cain didn't know the difference. What we do know is in Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the world, the only way for Adam and Eve to be covered up appropriately, the fig leaves were not good enough. That's how they wanted to do it. When they realized that they were naked, they took of the fig leaves and they wrapped themselves in it. But God took of an animal and his skin. There was a sacrifice that was required in order for them to be covered. And this idea of the blood sacrifice seemed to be passed down. Whether that just came from the story being passed down from Adam and Eve down to the, their sons, or whether there was some other communication from God what we do know definitively is that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. When it comes to you and to me, we so many times think, I think a comment was made yesterday, uh, that we have to be careful to think our service is not our worship, and yet at the same time, our entire life should be our worship. In other words, we have to be very careful that when we worship God, that we're not doing it based on our works, but we're doing it based on remembrance of him who did it. Uh, we talked last week or the last couple of weeks in Hebrews chapter 10 at the beginning. It talks about the fact that the sacrifices of old would be a reminder of sins every year. And that they would need to do something. They would need to bring a sacrifice. Yes, it was a sacrifice not of the fruit of the ground. It was an animal that God had called for but it was still something that they needed to do. You and I have this wonderful privilege of being able to gather together as the body of Christ to remember him who did it. It's done. I mean, what a beautiful cry on the cross at Calvary that is. It is finished. And we gather simply to remember him who did the work. So when we think about a life of faith, living now in faith, one of the things that we do by faith and living now is we worship. The second example is Enoch. Enoch walked with God. This is his testimony. If you go back to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 23, it says, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Coincidence, I'm not sure. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And this was Enoch's testimony, according to Hebrews chapter 11, that he pleased God. We have this uh, interesting um, dilemma among us as Christians, like within our own hearts and minds, right? I just want to live a life that is pleasing to God. And when we think through that way, we start to come up with the checklist of what that might look like. Well, this is pleasing, so I, I need to do this. This is not pleasing, so I don't need to do this, or I, sh I can't do that, I shouldn't do that. Uh, when the reality is, you wanna know how to please God? Walk with him. By faith, walk with the living God. One of the things that I think we have a hard, the hardest time to enter into. Interesting to me, and this is just an aside, and I'm not trying to make more of it than I, than I should, uh, but two verses for this one. One verse for worship and one verse for Noah. One verse for Abel and Noah, two verses for Enoch and this idea of walking. That's just a small little thing, but a factor to take into consideration. 
Are we walking with God? The testimony that Enoch had. All the days of his life, 365 years. The coincidence, how many days in a year? All the days of his life to walk with God by faith. It goes on to say this in this verse, uh, in verse 6, I think, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So again, if faith is believing God for what he has said and, and putting all your trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're just reminded, apart from that faith, we can't please God. So all of you uh, who want to go back, you want to draw back and go back to the sacrifices and the priesthood of old, that's not by faith, that's not pleasing God. Like if you want to draw back because you think that is better, you have to realize that that's more for you and not for what God had designed. As his, his design was, by faith you enter into it. And if you've entered into it and you're walking with him, that's what pleases God. And then thirdly, we have Noah. Noah prepared an ark for God. Noah heard God. So Noah, God had looked down and seen the righteousness of Noah, and he told him what to do to build an ark. Now, you can only imagine what this looked like in Noah's life. So we don't know a lot about Enoch from Genesis chapter 5. We know that he lived for 65 years, and then he had a son, and then he lived for 300 more years, and he walked with God. That's all we know. We know a fair bit more about Noah. Like, we know it took him a long time to build the ark. How many years? I, right now, I honestly don't remember. Is it 120? Yes. Right? Like, 120 years to build. 100, what? Listen, if I got to do something more than a couple of weeks... My dad's 80, 40 more years. <laughs> 120 years not seeing what was actually going to happen, not knowing for sure that it was going to happen. Noah being ridiculed by the people all around him, no doubt, mocking him as he was doing this, yet by faith, because God warned him of the things to come. And it says, out of godly fear, he listened to God at his word, and he did exactly what God called him to do. It goes on to say that he was a testimony, that Noah, in doing this, living by faith, working by faith, was a testimony. It was a testimony to the world because the world was condemned, the scripture says. The world was condemned based on the fact that he was building the ark. That was a sign of judgment to come. And he became an heir of righteousness according to faith. A testimony, a testimony not just for the people of that day and that time, but here we are thousands of years later and that testimony has remained true. And we can say that for Abel, we can say that for Enoch, and we can say that for Noah, the testimony that remains true because of people who have lived by faith. Moving on to the next one, demonstration for the looking ahead. In these two examples, you have Abraham and you have Sarah. Uh, in the example of Abraham, 
What you have uh, described is that Abraham obeyed God, not knowing where he was going. So I just want to read that again. By faith, Abraham, in verse 8, obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. There are heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Abraham went out when he was called. The promise that was given in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham was this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So what's significant about that? He literally had no idea where he was going. He just told him to leave all of the comforts of his life, his family, his father's house. As far as we know, he was pretty wealthy over there. Uh, had to leave all of whatever religion he might have been experiencing over there, any sort of acts of worship. He was leaving it all behind because God called him to go. And he heard God's call and he obeyed in response to it. I think it's pretty significant too, and we don't want to read past it, but it says that he dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. He dwelt in this land as though it was a foreign land. Abraham, again, his life while he had left the Ur of the Chaldees was not easy. If he imagined that they had great wealth when they were back in the Ur of the Chaldees, that he probably had a relatively nice home, perhaps even a castle. And he left all of that behind to do what? Dwell in tents. Now, there's some of us in the room us might be a strong word because then I might be including myself in it, but there are some of us in the room who might like to go camping from time to time and sleep in a tent. I've got some people already shaking their heads saying, no, I'm not one of them. But after a couple of days, some of us are definitely done. Like I don't mind doing it for a day or two. But Abraham, for years, and decades, dwelt in tents. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born and he died at 175 years old. And the promise had still yet to be fully realized. And yet by faith, he obeyed and went. And he didn't draw back, he didn't shirk back. And then we have the next one, we have by faith, Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. So Sarah, by faith, conceived seed. Why? Because she counted him who had promised, because she judged him faithful who had promised, the end of verse 11. Now, there's an interesting thing, if I can say it this way. Like, so in Abel and Enoch, we don't know a whole lot about, right? So we don't know their bad side, yeah? But Abraham was not perfect in all of those days. Sarah was not perfect in all of those days. And it's interesting, I mean, this is, a, uh, we, to take great joy in this. So Sarah initially did what when she was promised a child? Laughed. Why was Isaac's name Isaac? 
means laughter. But when you go back in the hall of faith, it doesn't say, well, by faith, Sarah, after she laughed, counted him faithful for the promise. The only testimony is ultimately that she judged him to be faithful who promised. She's not perfect, and neither are you and me. We're not perfect, and we are going to have these things. But by faith, by faith, we can walk. By faith, when God calls us like Abraham, we go. By faith, we count him to be faithful to us. And no matter how hard life is, and listen, there's a whole bunch of you in the room right now that are looking at me and saying, yeah, John, listen to yourself. No matter how difficult life is from time to time, how many times you're questioning why God is leading you one way or the other, you go back to these examples of faith in the Old Testament and you can be reminded that God is faithful. Keeping in mind that you and I have so much more than they had. Number one, we have the Holy Spirit of God living into us to confirm uh, all that we know to be true. But number two, and we have the Lord Jesus who finished the work. So we have faith and we enter into that simply by his finished work. But number three, we have the word of God as testimony to us over and over and over again to show that God is faithful. So in those first three examples, we have the demonstration of the living now and our worship and our walk and our work, that these should be three aspects of our lives that should evidence faith living out of us. In these two examples, I called it the, the looking ahead because it's this idea that God calls you to something else in the future. And you need to respond to that as well. When God called Sarah to something else in the future, that a year from now when I come back, you will be with child. To respond in faith to where God is taking you as you look ahead. Okay, lastly, the destination. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. So these last few verses, and again, I just want to read those. Uh, these, the ones that we just read of, all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having, them, having seen them afar off were assured of them. So they didn't receive the promise, but they saw them in their mind's eye with faith and therefore were assured of them. It says, and embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Do you consider yourself a stranger and a pilgrim in this earth? What is a stranger or a pilgrim? An alien traveling through. An alien traveling through. Just passing through. Just passing through. Don't grab the stage too Amen. Convicting, eh? confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. In light of the cultural context in which we live, this is difficult for us to do sometimes. 
I think back of Hebrews chapter 10 where we're supposed to assemble ourselves together as Randy brought out last week and provoke one another to love and to good works. Well, one way we can provoke one another to love and good work is to remind each other that we are pilgrims and strangers in this land. This is not our home. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We have something to look forward to. We have our true home to look forward to. We really should be no different than Abraham who dwelled in tents in the land, whose land was, he was living in the land as it was foreign to him. This land should be foreign to us. We should be as though we are living in tents, that none of this stuff matters. The only thing that matters is what God is calling us to. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, they could have done that. If they were focused not on what God said and his promises that were given to them, they easily could have gone back to the land that they came from. But no. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. And brothers and sisters, we have been promised that ourselves. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 3. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the testimony that these saints of old had. And we have more clear revelation now than they even did then that this is the hope that we have in Christ. And it's not just about us being delivered from this earth and being able to go into heaven, which is so wonderful, and to be with God, which is so wonderful, but it is the promise that we have by faith to know that we have an eternal life with the living God. Eternal life, which is far greater than this life could ever promise. So in our closing summary thoughts here, faith is very practical for our living and we can't lose sight of that. In every single example, when you, when you dive into the scripture regarding faith, the, the first part, and again, Galatians, big, you guys know me, I, you know, the first part is he's just trying to prove and demonstrate that salvation is by faith alone. But then he's moving on from there and saying you need to walk by faith. That it's not so much that you um, just are saved by faith, but your whole life is by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, saving faith to living faith. That daily we are entering into this faith, that our faith is the thing that is driving us, very practical and living. So we looked at the living now. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our worship and our walk, 
and in our work. Then we have the looking ahead. What is God calling us to? Number one, he might be calling us to something different on, in this life. Like Abraham called out of the year of the Chaldees. Like Sarah to, at 89, 90 years old to give birth. We're not that old like Sean and me, but I don't think we'd want to do that again. And you know, when I say we, it wouldn't be me. God might call us to something else in this life. And we need to be prepared and ready to go to wherever he calls us and to do whatever he calls us to do. But then we also have the calling to the future of being with God. And then lastly, hope is the heavenly country. This is our hope, the hope that one day all of this will be left behind and we will enjoy God for eternity. Why? Because he wants to dwell with us. A few weeks ago, Ben was bringing that out, just this beautiful picture through all of scripture of God's desire to dwell among his people. And that's what eternity is going to be. This is the hope that we can enter into. But while we're on this side of heaven, this poem by Helen Annis Casterline says, I go on not knowing, I would not if I might. I'd rather walk in the dark with God than walk alone in the light. I'd rather walk by faith with him than to walk alone by sight. I've asked Ian to come up and close us out in a hymn, and they might move us on to different slides for that, but I just want to highlight a couple of these. Uh, we sang this yesterday at the start of the men's meeting, and it struck me how applicable for today. Uh, speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise. Cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we'll stand on your promises, and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Let's pray, and then I'll have Ian lead us in this song. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you that we enter into this life by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as we look at all of these examples of old, we pray that you would help us in our lives in the present day to live and to walk by faith, wholly, totally dependent on you. Father, if there is anybody here who is yet to trust Christ, to know the forgiveness of sin, for an eternal salvation with the eternal God, Father, we pray that you would speak to their hearts. Father, for those of us in the room that perhaps there are areas of our life that we're holding on to, that we're not giving those over to you in faith, Father, we pray that you would help us with that, that we would be convicted and turn from these things.
for your glory. So, Father, we commit all of this to you and give you thanks in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen.